This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Has modern medical technology taken things too far, allowing doctors to overdiagnose? We'll talk to an MD for an eye-opening interview. We've always focused on the one person who might benefit. But in many of our conditions, we're talking about one person who might benefit versus a thousand others who won't. Then, there are more companies owned by women these days, yet they're making less money than other businesses. We'll have the story. There's a growing diversification of women-owned firms. Really, it's hard to say that there's a traditional industry for women anymore because women are diversifying into so many different types of industries. Those two interviews and much more are coming your way on this week's edition of InfoTrack. Stick around. The program gets underway right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. With all the modern medical tools at their disposal, are doctors now overdiagnosing their patients? InfoTrack's Roy Mackey is here with an expert. Roy? Thanks, Chris. Our guest is Dr. H. Gilbert Welch, a professor of the Dartmouth Institute for Health Policy and Clinical Practice. He's an expert on medical screening and the co-author of Overdiagnosed, Making People Sick in the Pursuit of Health. Let's just start with your basic premise. You think Americans are overdiagnosed. That's right. And I guess I'd like to start by saying I'm a conventionally trained physician. I teach, I do research, I see patients. And I believe American medicine can do a lot of good for sick people. But my concern is what's beginning to happen to the well. And that is we're inviting them in to look hard for things to be wrong. And that's a strategy that can label an awful lot of us as sick because we all harbor abnormalities. Talk about that for a moment, the abnormalities that are most overdiagnosed. Well, they range across a large spectrum. Part of it is our technology can now resolve things that are so small. And by that, I mean the images that we're looking at, the radiologic images, can pick up shadows that are millimeters in size anywhere in the body. Our biochemical evaluations can evaluate things at a level of a part per billion. So our technologies are now able to resolve just really tiny abnormalities. And then something else has happened, too. We doctors have tended to change the rules over the last 20 years. And here I'm talking about conditions that are defined by numbers, things like high blood pressure, high cholesterol. Osteoporosis is defined by a number called the T-score, a measure of bone density. And diabetes is defined by a number. And if you're on the wrong side of the number of blood sugar, you're said to have diabetes. If you're below it, you're said not to have diabetes. Well, those critical numbers, we call them thresholds, have all changed in the last 20 years, but they've changed in the same direction, to include more Americans as being patients. And my concern there is we treat all these abnormalities. We're never sure which ones are going to matter and which aren't. We know a fair number of them aren't going to matter, but we've always focused on the one person who might benefit. But in many of our conditions, we're talking about one person who might benefit versus a thousand others who won't. And my question is, what happens to the other thousand that we treat? And all of our treatments have harms. And an overdiagnosed patient, a patient who's never going to experience the symptoms from his or her condition, can't be helped by treatment. 
they can only be harmed by it. And since all our treatments have harm, that's the problem. And that's what we need to share with people, the two sides to early detection. Now, you mentioned all of the treatments have harm. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, well, let's talk about the poster child for the problem, which is prostate cancer screening. Twenty years ago, a, quote, simple blood test was introduced, and 20 years later, over a million American men have been treated for a cancer that was never going to bother them. The test is the PSA, or prostate-specific antigen, and it's measuring things on the order of parts per billion of this small antigen. It turned out a lot of men had elevated PSAs, and a lot of them went to biopsy, and when they were biopsied, a lot had microscopic cancers, many more than would ever be expected to develop the clinical condition of prostate cancer. They were overdiagnosed. They were treated. The treatment for prostate cancer is either radical surgery or radiation, and their side effects from those surgeries. And those side effects relate to sexual function, relate to urinary and bowel function. And the rate of side effects following the surgery and radiation is something on the order of one-third of men experience problems, and even a few die from the surgery. So I'm not arguing people should or shouldn't be screened for prostate cancer. What I'm arguing is that we ought to talk about both sides of the story. I think medicine has sort of systematically exaggerated the benefits of early detection that really hasn't come clean, if you will, about the downsides. It's a much closer call than most people realize. What do you see are the reasons that these overdiagnoses are actually being promoted? You mentioned the lowering, in some cases, of numbers for specific illnesses, but what are the other reasons? Is it defensive medicine? Is it profit-seeking? Well, there's a myriad of reasons, and of course my colleagues would want me to mention the lawyers first off. And it is true that the legal profession has set us up with a set of incentives that push us all in the same direction. We feel we're never punished for overdiagnosis, we're only punished for underdiagnosis. So that is a strong incentive for us to always look harder and have a very low threshold to say something is wrong. But, of course, the problem's much bigger than that. And also, as you suggest, there's a lot of money to be made here. The reality is, if you are in the business of making devices or making drugs or providing services, the easiest way to expand your market isn't to build a better drug, it's to expand the group of patients for whom the drug is said to be needed. And that's largely the story behind the more expansive diagnoses for high blood pressure and diabetes, cholesterol, and osteoporosis. And I think a lot of people are aware that the pharmaceutical companies are a real problem for medicine, but it's not just the pharmaceutical companies. It's also the hospitals and doctor's offices, too, who recognize that one of the best ways to get new patients is to offer screenings, or particularly free screenings, as a way to bring people in for subsequent testing. It's not a pretty picture. That said, it's not all about money and all about lawyers. Some of it's about true belief, people that honestly believe that the right way to pursue health is to always pursue disease. And I'm raising questions about that belief as well. I think one of the most powerful and misleading reasons that people get screened are these survivor stories. People who have had a screen-detected prostate cancer or breast cancer and now say, you know, they owe their life to screening. But once you understand the problem of overdiagnosis, 
you realize that, in fact, most survivor stories, unfortunately, reflect something different. A few may have had their life saved, say they've been a survivor, but others have been overdiagnosed. In fact, the chances are more likely that a survivor has been an overdiagnosed case in both breast and prostate cancer screening. And this leads to a paradox. You know, the harder we look for early cancers, the more we find, the more survivor stories there are. More of them represent really overdiagnosed cases, cases that were never destined to appear clinically, and yet screening becomes more popular. So we need to guard against these very powerful anecdotes that may be very, very misleading. And the truth is that most people who say they owe their life to the test are, in fact, overdiagnosed. For someone who feels perfectly healthy, maybe is reaching middle age, should they go looking for trouble, or how often do you think they should actually go see a doctor for no particular reason? That's the discussion I want to start having. Of course, there's always been this belief that you should be going in for an annual physical and screenings, and I want to at least give people permission to ask broader questions about that, particularly now that we're developing new technology all the time that can find small abnormalities. And I think different people may come to different conclusions when they see the entire story. So I don't think one size fits all here. I think the real key is to begin to understand the two sides of the process. Is there any danger in your message that it may discourage some folks from asking their doctor for a test or even going in to see their doctor occasionally? Sure, I think this is a balancing act. You know, I think we all should have some idea what our blood pressure is. This is really the first condition that we treated when people didn't have symptoms. And I have no questions about the value of treating really, really high blood pressure. I do want to emphasize this as a balance. But right now, I think all the forces are pushing people to over-testing. And I'm just trying to regain some balance in what it means to pursue health. Dr. H. Gilbert Welch, professor of the Dartmouth Institute for Health Policy and Clinical Practice and the co-author of Overdiagnosed, Making People Sick in the Pursuit of Health. Thank you very much for joining us on InfoTrack. Well, thank you for having me. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. Next, are women-owned businesses getting hammered by the competition? We'll tell you why they're making less money. Coming up. You're listening to InfoTrack. More after this.